No, it's the idea of they just invented it in Kansas. I would have let you have this uh, revelation. Hey, Daniel, guess what? I don't fucking live in Kansas anymore. (laughs) You live in Kansas City. That's I live in Missouri. I I live in Missouri. I I live in Kansas City, Kansas. I would like to note that I wish that that was the version of the Wizard of Oz that we got, wherein she arrived and said, Toto, I'd like you to know, I'm not in fucking Kansas anymore. <laughs> no, it's uh, that tweet that Twitter, that tweet thing that was going around last week, you know, you can add one fuck to any movie you want. That's the one. Yeah. <laughs> A fucking Wizard of Oz. <laughs> the Wizard of fucking Oz. <laughs> I think we already have a show title and we haven't even Sega Genesis. When I was dead broke, man, I couldn't picture this. Welcome, everybody, to the Screen Looker Podcast Show. I'm your host, Martin Ben, and with me today, I have Daniel George. How are you, sir? Uh, doing pretty good yourself. Doing all right, doing all right. I also have Eric Crisman. How are you doing today, sir? Uh, lately, enjoying a blast from the past. And then uh, Matt Rutkowski is on the show as well. Matty, how you doing? I am doing fantastic. Thank you for asking, Martin. You're always so kind when we start these shows. I, I know. I, I just want to make sure we start off on a good note, and I feel there's no other way than to show I care. Uh, <laughs> 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 and also with us is the always lovely, always exuberant, Rebecca Valentine. How are you? That's so sweet of you to say. I'm so happy to be back after moving cities um, and being <laughs> gone for like a month, and I'm hoping to be back more regularly now that things have settled yeah, yeah, I, I, I am glad to have you on, and I'm glad to, we, that we are all here. Um, today's show, we'll be uh, testing out some of the new little format things I've put in place. So we're going to start with games we've been playing, as always, uh, but then we'll move into like big conversation points. Instead of just breaking down news at random, what do we actually want to talk about? Uh, so today we got a little bit about uh, Reggie Fields M.A., I think I pronounced that correctly. I'm just going to call him Reggie from this point forward. Uh, (laughs) As he leaves Nintendo. Got a little bit about Xbox and Nintendo Switch. uh, A little bit more about Xbox and their thoughts on reviews. uh, And then uh, we also have a little bit about the layoffs that are currently affecting the industry. Uh, But to start everything out... We have a couple people who've been playing Tetris 99. So, Matt, I saw that you got your first win in Tetris 99. Um, I did. This week. And how 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 did you celebrate this uh, this large victory? Uh, I just posed it to anybody who thought would care. And hopefully <laughs> have them, uh, you know, give me compliment, compliments about how good I am at Tetris. <laughs> you're amazing at Tetris. I can't believe you won one of those games. I mean, I can because you're fantastic. But it's hard oh, for me to imagine anybody being good enough at Tetris to win anything, even though somebody has to. Uh, well, I kind of I figured out what badges were, and that helped. 
Oh yeah. Uh, uh, until then, I was just kind of I was getting top ten a lot, and then all of a sudden, just garbage would be flying at me. Yeah. But uh, once I figured out that hey, you kind of have to have badges, otherwise you're going to lose. Then I got second place like eight times, and that was exceptionally frustrating. But then I finally won, and I'm not sure I've played since then. What what are what are badges? What there's something other than Tetris in Tetris ninety nine? Oh no, this is a conversation. <laughs> I haven't I haven't touched this game. I mean I have yeah, Nintendo I was... online, but I don't I'm, I'm I don't like Tetris. So I got Nintendo online for this game. Oh, Ooh. oh my. I I Smash Bros. Um so uh Tetris ninety nine is just like it's insists. 99 players, only one can survive. All the other players die a gruesome Tetris death. Uh, but the way that it works is that when you clear lines, you're sending those lines to others. But how you play the game is very strategic and tactical like a Battle Royale game. For example, if a bunch of people are targeting you for whatever reason, like if you feel personally attacked, you can stack up a bunch of lines, get wait for the right moment, and then send te full Tetrises or T-spins and send garbage lines to all your opponents and just fill up their stacks. <laughs> so, oh, so all those like gifts and stuff I saw on Twitter where people were like getting wins and they, they were like, like, like those gifts where people were like pulling off really crazy stuff and their screen just kept filling up with shit just randomly. That was other people doing that. Yeah. Yeah. That's other people oh. doing that. It's very mean the only, You shouldn't do when it. When people throw lines of garbage at you or are targeting you, mm -hmm. uh, the only way to mass target more than one person is when you put on attackers, you sl slide your analog stick to, or the right analog stick to attackers, and you send garbage at your attackers. When you have a bunch of attackers, it sends more garbage out. Mm -hmm. uh, you can also target, you can, you know, stack up a bunch of blocks and then start strategically waiting until you have enough so that you can start lining up KOs to knock out other players. Mm -hmm. uh, but when you start doing that, you find a lot more people will be able to target you. Same as if you have attackers on. You can also hunt for badges. So if you knock out anyone with a bunch of badges, those badges come to you. You get a badge for, I think, one badge for knocking out a player, then a second badge for a few more players, then a few more players, then a few more players. When you have four badges, each badge allows you to create more garbage, I think, when you clear a, a full Tetris or Tetris lines. Mm -hmm. So once you're in the top 10, as uh, Rakowski said, like you need those badges because if you do not have badges, if you don't have that, you know, those, uh, those uh, buffs and debuffs pretty much, you are going to get infinity garbage lines and you will be out quickly. So you're basically going to get ratioed. I just like to understand that Tetris 99 is like the <laughs> is like the essential approximation of the worst Twitter experience you can have, which is you say one thing and then everybody's Let's like, just... who's that guy? Dump all of everything on them. What I could say is you heard me talk about how much I thought Tetris, uh, uh, sorry, Tetris Effect was the best game of 1984. Mm -hmm. Tetris 99 could be the best game of 2019 because it's a completely different game within the same rule set. I'm not going to lie. I did look at Tetris 99 and be like, do I want to give Big Daddy Nintendo my money? 
It's not money. It's just for Daddy Bowser. <laughs> right. Do I want to give Daddy Bowser my money now to allow <laughs> to, to play Tetris ninety nine? I don't. Let's Daddy. But are we Daddy <laughs> Bowser? We're can calling. We not, can we're we calling not the president. Deviant art. Nintendo of America. We're calling him Daddy. We're gonna call. Did him we Daddy call Bowser? Reggie Daddy? Oh, let's not answer that question. <laughs> I feel like he kicked my ass. Uh, <laughs> well, at least he'd say that, and then when it came push to shove, it would not happen. Yeah. Oh man. Um. But yeah, Tetris '99 looks like a fun time. I just know I'm not good at Tetris. And that's the only reason that I stopped myself from paying for Nintendo Online was like, I didn't pay for this for for uh, for Smash Brothers. I'm definitely not going to pay for it to just get my ass kicked to Tetris every day, <laughs> which is what well, mostly happened. <laughs> I, so I know you say that, and I know we're two years into the Nintendo Switch, and I know it's been like kind of a, a constant back and forth between you and I about the things that are wrong <laughs> with the Nintendo Switch right. and et cetera. And I know the Nintendo Switch online service has been a big part of that. But even though you, I mean, you're not in Tetris, I'm not into Tetris. Um, but honestly, Tetris 99 is probably one of the best things they could have put out there, like just as a singular thing to get yeah. people to subscribe to that service. I know everyone really wanted uh, Super Nintendo games on there, but mm -hmm. Tetris 99, I feel like has a much broader appeal than that, especially since it's, I mean, with the subscription, it's a free game. Like it... Super Super, Nintendo, Super Nintendo games like really capitalize on nostalgia, right? And everybody that needs it now has an SNES classic. Mm -hmm. um, but if you if you don't have that nostalgia, then you don't care about those games. But mm -hmm. you probably can get interested in Tetris. Matt, I'm sorry, you were gonna say something. I forgot what it was. I'm so sorry. Oh my god. <laughs> I know that I know that he's a better player than me than I because he has Owen. Yeah, I, yes, I'm better so... than you. Go on. I definitely think it's a good idea, and the main reason why I think of that is, is like the main things that I think really helped um, PlayStation Plus take off was the free games that were, especially early in the PlayStation 4 life when Rocket League showed up um, and things like that. Like Those are the games that people remember when they're like, why did I start subscribing to this? It's like, usually there's a flashpoint thing that like makes people think, oh, this is actually worth it. And Tetris 99 being on there, even if it's just for, I don't even know if it's just for this month or if it's for however long you have, how, whenever you subscribe, but having that as a thing that like gets people in is definitely a good idea. I, I didn't expect them to do it and they did something that I, that was unexpected. And I think that's good. I think you should always have that on any platform. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, so yeah, uh, any other thoughts on uh, Touch Ninety Nine, Matt? Because you're you're the you're the big winner here. <laughs> well, thank you for saying that once more. It feels good every time. But uh, honestly, the thing I I like about it too is just it's not something that you have to be locked into for long periods of time. Mm -hmm. Like I work from home, and it's just a game that I kind of just have running. And when things get like really slow, I can just play Tetris for five minutes and. Not miss anything right so it's like i'm not good at maintaining focus for long periods of time mm -hmm. um and so tetris 99 has just been perfect for me so i like that so every match is only like about five minutes maybe five maybe yeah unless you start getting into like the you know top five or whatever then maybe you can go all the way to seven minutes but <laughs> seven whole minutes 
what? Yeah. Hey, man. I mean, that's shorter than any other Battle Royale game. And that's part of having the good seven-minute loop is all you need. Uh, <laughs> not only not only that, um, something I realized, Tetris 99 is forcing all players of all skill types to adapt to its score system and how it you know, you can effectively play on offense. Like, for example, it has forced people to learn what a T-spin is. Does anyone know what a T-spin is? No. That's not Matt. I don't know what one is. Yeah. Fuck. That- <laughs> I, I only know because Tetris Effect makes use of T-spins as well, but for very different reasons, I imagine. <laughs> what does it do in Tetris Effect? So, Is it the infinite spin thing? No, infinite spin no. is like when you're just spit, like you're trying to make use of oh, infinite okay. spin to get the right, uh, the right shape for you to actually insert. Ah, okay. T spin is like where you're, you have the ability to uh, have like there's like one line level that you're on, and then the next line level has an actual T for the T. Uh, what's the what the uh, tetra? What what are the what are Tetris is Tetraminos? I know that. Tetraminos. I was like Tetrano. I know. I was gonna call it Tetroid. I was like, it's not Tetroids. Uh, (laughs) I mean, it's a made up nonsense word, anyways. But yeah, Tetraminos. Don't know why I know that, but I do. (laughs) But essentially, whenever you get like a there's like an actual T formation you can create, and the T square uh, as you flip it will flip into any kind of area that you could create that is surrounded by other tetraminos around it so essentially a t-spin is you hit the spin the t drops through whatever the however many levels it is that you're that you're on uh or that you have lines you've built up and it drops into the area where the actual t is and you can clear the line of two instead of just one like you would normally I think that's a little complex and doesn't the the more it doesn't hit the more visual point of the idea of just t spinning is that you put the t to the side because it can't fit three wide, right? And then once you pass that blockage of two lines, you spin it around to form the t to fill it completely. Mm-hmm. That you're pretty much like breaking physics, right? To do it. And by doing it that way, it's called a T-spin because you're, it, it would not have been able to be placed were it not for the spin. So now people have to do that shit because they, it does like, it's like a huge, like, especially if you back to back to back, you can send like 12 lines of garbage immediately. <laughs> yeah, it's the most effective way of clearing lines um, outside but, of like trying to build up a straight line and getting the, but, the line. And, and the thing is, that's like an advanced level technique. So now people, it's like teaching the, you know, en passant of chess pretty much to everyone. Yeah, right. Like, the, <laughs> I learned what the en passant was the other day, uh, like a long, uh, like last year. And I've been playing chess for quite some time. And I was like, I've never used that before. Uh, but one of my, uh, my CEO at my last company used it against me. And I was like, God damn it. <laughs> it's like why are you cheating no <laughs> you uh, anyway um rebecca valentine you have been playing mini games um i don't know what at least two of them are but the other two are animal crossing and majora's mask <laughs> so. yeah so i'll start with those so how cute are these other ones oh, Sorry. well I'll, I'll start with the other two because it's just a very short mention i 
have been looking for more ways to occupy my time lately. Um, mm -hmm. now that I have a larger chunk of free time than I expected. Um, and so I did finally find, well, I had to buy a new AC adapter and I charged, uh, my, uh, 2DS and I think it's a two. Yeah. I have a 2DS now. I didn't even, I couldn't even remember what it looked like. It had been in the box for so long. Um, and I, so I started playing Animal Crossing New Leaf every day again, which is charming as hell. And like, I thought, I thought I was just going to pull it out as sort of a joke, um, and kind of see what had happened to my town. And now I find myself booting it up every day, which is <laughs> it's just extremely on brand for me and not surprising to anyone. Um, but then I also, I had a, a Majora's Mask on 3DS and I had gotten maybe like a third of the way through that game. Um, mm -hmm. when it first came out. And I, I remember really enjoying it. Like I had always been curious about it. I, I don't like Link to the Past. Or sorry, mm -hmm. not, yeah. Whoa. No, no, I like Link to the Past. It's Ocarina of Time I don't like, sorry. Oh. Um, I, don't, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't. I've tried to play Ocarina of Time. I just, I just don't enjoy it. Um, but I really like the idea of Majora's Mask. And so I started playing it. I got about a third of the way through and I really liked it. Well, I thought I was just going to pick up that file where I left off. Uh, turns out it's that's really hard to do um, when you haven't played in like two years um in Majora's Mask because of the you know three-day cycle and everything and you know all the different you know people you have to keep track of and there's like side quests and all these things like so I, I ended up just starting a new file um but I'm really excited I haven't played too much but I'm really excited to work through Majora's Mask and hopefully finish it this time because it's, it's just a really fascinating game with a fascinating structure um but between those two games I'm mainly playing uh Another Eden which is a mobile game um, it is directed by one of the people who wrote, he was a writer on Chrono Trigger, and then I think he was like lead writer for Chrono Cross. Um, and it shows, uh, Yasunori Mitsuda did some of the music for it, and it's very recognizable which tunes he did, because it just sounds like Chrono Cross and Chrono Trigger music. It's mm -hmm. fantastic. Um, there were some other uh, composers involved as well. Um, and it's it's just a very interesting game. I mean, it's it, it's a mobile game, but it's probably one, and it's a free mobile game. But it's probably one of the least obtrusive free mobile games I have ever played. Like there, you have the ability, so you get a couple party members just from playing through the game, but you don't get very many. Um, mm -hmm. But the only microtransaction in the game is if you want more party members, you can spend real money to get like this currency and then you can spend it on loot boxes to get more characters basically like at random kind of like in Fire Emblem whatever their mobile game is where you can like get more characters for your party at random by spending that currency. It's basically the same thing. Um, but you can, I mean, again, you can also collect that currency just by playing through the game and get more characters that way. And you really, you can only have a party of four at a given time anyway, so you don't even really need all these other characters. It's just like for people who want to do that. And otherwise, it's basically just a free mobile RPG that's like, <clears throat> has it has like a story and it's complete and it's like kind of enjoyable. Um, the writing or localization or something is a little clumsy, just in terms of like, it's, it's kind of cliche and at times feels like just sort of a faster plot version of Chrono Trigger. But I like I really am enjoying myself. It's it's the kind of game that I, I play like when I'm laying in bed at the end of the day for like 30 minutes. I just get some quests done and then I, I close it. Um, it's just I don't know. I'm I'm very surprised, like pleasantly surprised. Hmm. Interesting. And which this was uh was this East Shade or another No, game? this is this is another Eden. Yeah. Okay. Um and then yeah. And then the last thing I'm playing, and the one that I'm probably playing the most, is East Shade. And that is on Steam only um, mm -hmm. right now. It's a game where you are a wandering painter, a traveling painter, and you start out on a boat. You're traveling to the land of East Shade because your mother, who has passed away, has 
um, was always talking about East Shade and how much you'd love it and how much she loved her time there and how you'd find so many beautiful things to paint. And so you're going to honor her memory. And the, the goal of the game is to, she describes these four locations to you. And the goal is to find these four locations and paint them. And that, that's basically it. There's no, there's no fancy painting mechanic. It's really just a glorified screenshotting thing, which is not great. Mm-hmm. But it's really not about that. Like the game, uh, it's about East Shade. It's about the place. And it's really about just wandering this beautiful uh, land and just kind of exploring the environment and talking to the inhabitants. And there are quests you can do, but something that I really like about it is like some of the quests don't, they don't have happy endings. Like there, there's one thing that I kind of messed up. Like, like usually like I think about like Skyrim, right? Like if I just mm. keep rolling through the dialogue options, eventually there's going to be some kind of resolution to whatever the plot is. I mean, it might not be a happy resolution, but there'll be a resolution. Um, but in East Shade, like really early on, there's this like kind of scenario you can get involved with in the first town and you can leave it alone and it'll just kind of, you know, be fine. Or if you meddle too much and keep going through the dialogue, then you fuck up this family kind of bad and mm-hmm. you can't, you can't fix that. There's no magic button that lets you make it all better. And like, it's really sad, but I, I think it's impactful in a good mm-hmm. way. Um, Mm -hmm. and then also like the quests aren't obtrusive either. Like there's some that you have to do to kind of get, move forward a little bit more, but for the most part, if you want to just wander around and paint things, you can, or if you want to talk to everybody and do all the quests, you can do that too. It's just, it's really open-ended and is really just relaxing and about exploring this beautiful area. And I'm really, really enjoying it. Interesting. All right. So, so that one, how, I mean, how long have you been playing that one or, uh, Several hours now. I mean, I say I've been playing that more than anything else. I guess I really haven't. I've probably been playing Animal Crossing more. Um, <laughs> but it, it's kind of like my go-to. This is the game that I want to progress in right now. Um, so I've played. I've played probably about mm, maybe like four or five hours. Okay. Yeah, I was just curious yeah. how long it was. Um... <laughs> I think it's a total of about fifteen, is what I've heard. It's not. It's not super long. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Well, it sounds interesting. Um, one of these days, I'm going to actually get the uh, GPU from my PC and uh, actually play games on it. But for now, it is... Oh, cool. <laughs> for, now, <laughs> for now, I think I'll be... Uh, I'll just write that one down into my list of things that I should check out once I do get to that point. Um, all right, so... Eric, you've been checking out um, a, the as we talked about with Nintendo. You've been checking out the Super Nintendo. Um, uh, well, not exactly the Super Nintendo, um, but I um, I've had my eye on getting back into uh, proper retro gaming for a while, uh, possibly for streaming purposes, but uh, more for personal use. Um, and Analog is a company that makes. Um, I guess the best word is like clone machines. It's it's a um, they made a they made a NES uh, machine a while ago that's basically out of print because apparently it's very expensive and hard to make. But um, their newest product, which has been for a little while now, is called the Super NT, which is basically a Super Nintendo. Um, it's 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 kind of expensive at like a hundred ninety dollars, but it's something that you can just hook up to your 
modern TV with an HDMI cable, and you can put pretty much any Nintendo or Super Famicom cartridge in there, and it just works. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have, you know, I got mine came in on Thursday. I tested it out with. I've only got about uh, ten Super Nintendo games currently. I mostly played uh, a short session of NBA, the original NBA Jam and a little bit of an X-Men Mutant Apocalypse game and tested out other things I have. But everything works perfectly fine so far, and I'm really enjoying it. And they have a uh, Genesis, Genesis equivalent called the Sega MG coming out in uh, sometime in April, and I've already pre-ordered that because I'm very satisfied with what I've played so far of the, uh, of the Super MT. Um, other than that, it's just been more Mass Effect Andromeda, which I talked at length about last week. Yeah. Oh, Andromeda. Um, <laughs> Does uh, X-Men Mutant Apocalypse still hold up after all these years? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> it's still fun to play. It's a very, you know, it's a very simplistic, like, 2D side-scroller. Uh, I, uh, I just so can't long. remember. I was interested. Yeah. We have, uh, we have a, uh, a bar down here that's, uh, that's like an arcade club as well. So they have, uh, they have X-Men Mutant Apocalypse as one of the arcade machines you can play. And you can just get quarters and play through it with your friends. Um, you spend way too much money when you're drunk. And you're playing the game and you're like, I'm going to beat this level. <laughs> Why does fucking Nightcrawler suck? Is pretty much what you hear a lot. Oh, well, this this one's, a, this one's not the exact, this one's not the same as the arcade game. It's, a, it's actually a different mutant apocalypse. Uh, it's like you choose, you choose one X-Men and it's, and it's a Konami game. I believe. Well, of course, does the arcade game, but because they, they had the license at the time. But yeah, it's very different from the arcade game. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, unfortunate then, because that's what I was really hoping that you were talking about. Uh, <laughs> but I, I played that in arcade not that long ago, like a couple of years ago, and that was still fun. Like, you know, that and, like, Turtles in Time always hold up. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. does. Which, which is a game I'm looking into actually getting for this for this Super MT soon. But it's not the, that's not one of the super cheap ones. Like, let's say we're from 40 to $60 for just the cartridge. Uh, yeah, that's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I could, I could never, but you know, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm very much still sitting on the fence of, you know, if they want to put Super Nintendo games on the Switch, I'm fine with that. I'll, I'll pay for them there. Well, that's, that's the thing. I mostly got it for like, what, I mean, there's a ton, uh, there's easy ways to get like a lot of classic Super Nintendo games. Like if you have a Wii or a Wii U, for example, but you don't well not a Wii anymore. Um, but uh, anything that's licensed is going to be extremely hard to get on a modern console, no matter what. So this is an easy way to do that. Yeah, definitely. If, if not a cheap one, an easy one. <laughs> well, um, I actually spent most of my time uh, this week um, not really playing games, but watching another game and just seeing it as it as it slowly burned. And is seemingly going to shine, not even shine bright, but just become a dull star. And that is Anthem. Um, oh. I, <laughs> I started wa- watching this game with the idea that, you know what? I really enjoy a game that's going to let you be Iron Man. But I have spent a good amount of time just, like, monitoring what's going on with that game. And I can't even... Think, like, I was going to buy it with my friend, and we were just going to use it as, like, a pastime game while we were, like, catching up or whatever. And I was like, look, man, we got out of Destiny 
because the loading screens were in, in, in incessant there. These are even worse somehow <laughs> because the missions aren't even long. They're like five to seven minutes and then you go back to a loading screen and then you go back to another loading screen because you got weapons from your missions and you want to put them on your character and then you have to go to a loading screen to get to the weapons to be able to adjust them on your character. And it's just Polygon not... had like that eleven step breakdown <laughs> of what you have to do to equip a weapon. Yeah, I think oh, it was like eleven eleven really? or twelve steps, it was ridiculous. Jeez. It is it's not good. <laughs> Yo dog, I heard you like loading screens. <laughs> Well, did you guys see, um, I, I posted this in, well, Rev would have seen this because I posted the app trigger off uh, off topic, but uh, apparently the in-game weapons are like completely random in their stat. Yeah. Yeah, they absolutely are. Yeah, you can get like a like, zero stat. Yeah, yeah. But like, how is that a thing? <laughs> because oh. when, uh, like somebody wrote a thread and they were like, why do you think uh, Bioware and Bethesda, the like master RPG makers of like a decade ago that made big seminal moments like Skyrim and Mass Effect 2, why do you think every, they have such colossal failures in this space? And it's like, it, there's only two words that make any sense. And it's shareholder interest. Whenever shareholder interest gets put way above the actual quality of the game, this is what you're going to get. Like, it was clear from the demo that they put out, like, yo... You guys have a 95% loading screen issue. A loading screen issue in a game made of loading screens. How do you not see that this is a bigger problem where people are literally getting stopped, unable to finish the loading screen to actually do what you're trying to do, and you keep putting them in loading screens, which is only going to enhance the problem of it. So like stuff like that is just general... like. We didn't have enough time to get rid of this or, or, or work around it in some kind of way or even solve the problem. And it's like, if that was a problem in a build that was supposedly from December, they only had two months to change that. <laughs> so, which is but the thing is like the the queue the financial quarter isn't even up yet. You could delay it by a month if you have these problems. Not if you have <laughs> not if you then have to go against Ubisoft's the division two and try to get people from playing that. I mean, I understand. They the already are facing their biggest competition, their cells <laughs> in respawn. They, they didn't know when they gave this this date that they were going to be like, EA was going to be like, you know what? We should probably go ahead and let Apex Legends go out now because we know Anthem's going to probably be a little bit rough. They put estimates at five to six million players. I can't imagine. I currently cannot imagine no. five to six million people are going to no. buy it. No. Like, especially, not with their, especially not with their with their stupid uh launch like rollout like what the fuck was that like 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 it, the game is out but it's no. not out but no, the game only came out two days ago no but then but then midway through the week they're like oh that was early access no it fucking wasn't what dreams well, is doing what sony's doing with dreams is early access right and you know how you i know that it says early access on it, it does and they well, told us it was early access before we spent money on it yeah yeah, and it's another case of, you know, the people who got, for the most part, who got the early access are the people who paid the most money. So, <laughs> Well, no, actually, because you, you could technically spend $15 on Origin Premiere. Uh, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and you yeah, could that's... get access on there for $15, which would be cheaper than anywhere else. But that's really not even the point. It's like you, you would want 
the people who are going to pay you $15 monthly to have access to this game to enjoy the game to keep paying for it. You would want them to burn through everything in a month and not even come back to it again, right? Like, and and then they put out their roadmap and the roadmap has things that are cordoned off that don't actually have explanations for them. So like literally they put out a roadmap where the most important information on it are things that you can't see. Uh, It's... (laughs) It is, it is just a. I'm I'm hoping that they're going to get a lot of their stuff together on this, uh, because a lot of the people who do it, like they have a lot of community things. They're really cool people. They're like really nice, or, or whatever. And it's very obvious they're put in a terrible situation where it's like we're going to try to fix as much of this game as we possibly can in the short amount of time that we have. But like every single review isn't really giving them the. Uh, the benefit of the doubt that there's probably something that happened in development that switched up when Casey Hudson ended up taking over for the previous owner. Well, it's uh, not reviewers' job to give them the benefit of the doubt. It's their job to review the game. I well, I feel bad. I, mean I feel real is... bad for Bioware, though. <laughs> yeah, but what I meant by that is, like, they're, like, six years of development time, and I'm like, it's pretty clear that there has been a huge shift in whatever it was six years ago to whatever we're getting today. And I actually... Yeah. Well... Huh? Sorry, Oh, just guess. Oh, you can go there. I was gonna say, like, I, I had talked to another guy who uh, who knew a little bit about it, and he was like, "Yeah, I mean, the original premise of this was actually like a lot of the stuff that they're talking about, where they have like shaper storms and all that stuff. Like, those were supposed to be bigger parts of the actual story itself, because they were supposed to bring in like otherworldly elements from like alternate universes and dimensions and things like that." as a part of this game. But clearly all of that stuff like got for the most part thrown out to hit a date. And the the things that resulted where you have this one world that doesn't really have like a ton of things going on and even the things that are happening, they don't have a ton of variety to them. So, you know, I mean it's 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 a game that had a huge amount of ambitions. They couldn't really hit all of them. They tried to get down to a version of the game that can possibly start them on the way. And according to Jason Schreier, they thought they were going to get like the benefit of the doubt like Destiny did. where Everybody just gave it a 7.5 and was like, eh, it's not that great right now, but it'll get better. And they're just kind of getting ravaged in a way that I don't think that they anticipated. Not saying that reviewers have to take that into account, but like there's a lot of things that clearly changed along the way. <laughs> And I don't know why they would have thought they would have gotten the benefit of the doubt at all, given they're coming like after all of these other games that also made other mistakes and some things that they're just doing like way worse than everyone else. I just really worry about Bioware after this and after Andromeda as well. Like, I mean, a lot of people liked Andromeda, but it also didn't get the reception that the other Mass Effect games got too. And EA has a thing for killing studios and killing projects. Um, I was about to mention Poppy EA. (laughs) (laughs) Well, my editor, my editor over at Games Industry did this really, I mean, he he does these pieces where he looks back on 10 years ago, um, that month or whatever, and he ended up going into this whole breakdown of the fact that EA has killed a studio or a project every single year since 2008. And they actually, they actually did skip 2018, which was interesting, but then immediately in 2019, they killed Visceral. Or wait, not Visceral. No. Was it Visceral? I'm sorry, not Visceral. What did they? Uh, what did they kill? EA Vancouver. EA Vancouver. That's right. I'm sorry. Um, but yeah. So I, I just, I, I'm real worried about Bioware. Like, I feel, I feel like they wouldn't shut it down because they have projects in that studio that make money. Yeah. 
mm-hmm. like like IP in that studio that make money, but also, eh. I think just because they teased at the Game Awards, we'll get the next Dragon Age because there will be Riot for free. Tease that EA but... gives for any game. Ever. No, big no. Big no. But after canceled I, I... like half of their Star Wars lineup that they've teased. If <laughs> That's Jedi also Fallen Order got canceled, I'd be like, eh, it's re- it's EA. Yeah. The thing is with EA. The thing is with EA. You have to realize that in the last twenty. 28 years they've had more than 40 acquisitions mm-hmm. let alone stakes in other companies so like they're they're acquiring studios and fr- and you know developers or services and like they're bringing them into house or like tweaking certain things so like when you have 40 acquisitions since 1991 you have to realize, like, if they lose, if they cancel a project or they shut down a studio once every year for the last decade, it makes sense considering how many projects and studios they have. Well, I mean, it, it makes sense in a way of, like, acquisitions are generally not the best way to build businesses. Um, exactly. It's, it's, it makes sense in, in that sense. Tell about the THQ Nordic. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's not supposed to build the businesses that are being acquired. They're supposed mm-hmm. to build... The yeah, EA just, business, which yeah. is the one that is, you know, the one listed publicly. I mean, EA is basically like a liquidator of develop of development houses. It's very unfortunate that they could be that kind of title. You would want them to be more. I, I don't think we've heard of Ubisoft closing a studio in a very long time, at least publicly. Um, and it seems like their entire process is like, yo, we're going to try to put this game out there and we're not going to rush it. Like... Could you imagine a, a game like Beyond Good and Evil Two ever existing as an electronic arts game? Absolutely not. They would. They would absolutely. Abs- if it's an open world game with games as a service, of course I can. They they will cancel it within three years because it won't come out in three years. Michelle okay. is going to be working on Beyond Good and Evil Two until twenty twenty five. And Ubisoft is like, and, eh, you know, as long as we can keep him under our studio, that's fine. Rip <laughs> Wild. I was going to say, what will come out first, that or Wild? Wild is not coming out until 2035. <laughs> <laughs> people got, it, people have, is uh, Wild Death Stranding? <laughs> I, saw a clip, I saw a gif of Wild yesterday because somebody <laughs> posted it uh, in a thread on Era. And I'm literally sitting there. I'm like, what game is that? And they're like, oh, it's Wild. I was like, oh, shit. I completely forgot. <laughs> All I know is that he's never making that game. Uh, anyway, this is a far way away from what Anthem is, which is uh, Anthem may be Death Stranding uh, for Bioware. But anyway, uh, <laughs> let's... is that a good thing or a bad thing? I don't understand. No one knows. <laughs> no one knows problem. yet. We won't. Know. We don't but know. We've, we've seen this, this story before a lot where a game comes out and it's not well received, but then they turn it around. So it'd be unheard of either. Assuming right. EA give long enough. Right, exactly. But that was uh, a company like uh, Activision is uh, is definitely a company that will leave a game out there to just try to keep making money off of it. EA will kill a game. Like, they killed all of the extra DLC stuff that was meant to come <laughs> to, to Mass Effect Andromeda. So yeah. I don't... And they killed that within a few months, like, within a month or two. And they were like, we're just going to fix the game and that's it. Because that's how much effort they have to put into it. 
Anthem. You did say it like uh, you did say it like EA was going to cut a bitch. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like 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 literally, they have put out three patches already just to address the bugs that existed at the start of the launch of the game, and they have more things to do. People are still hitting bad loading screens. People are still getting ridiculous weapon drops where they're getting a legendary weapon with a 0% buff. Like there's just, there's there's a lot of stuff that are just quality of life and just general essentials of making a game of the type that they tried to make that it's not fulfilling. And on top of that, people don't even like the story elements that are supposed to be the selling point of it being a Bioware game. So like... What they have a roadmap where they have until May that they're going to have their big cataclysms, but that's three months from now. Who's going to play a game that has such little content that people are running through within the span of well, a week? Well, it's not a subscription. World of Warcraft. I don't know, man. I it's not, I, I don't know. Like it's one of those, like. Say Destiny, it's a game you can just, you know, come back to when there's new content. So it's not necessarily something that needs to be, you know, act you know, at its top active all the time. Yeah, but Destiny was like one of the highest selling new IPs of all time. What is Anthem going to be? Not that. No. <laughs> That's the difference there. That's the thing is it could have been. It could have been. It, it it's absolutely has all the elements to be so, but it just doesn't actually execute on many of those things, unfortunately. Well, that's therein lies the rub. <laughs> that's the rub, man. Um, moving on, because I don't want to spend too much more time shitting on Anthem. Uh, and I, I don't even think it's like... This week. <laughs> this week. We'll see what happens next week. I'm uh, sure there'll be more in the saga. <laughs> will we reset the clock like we did so many times with Fallout 76? <laughs> Speaking of Fallout 76, they banned the player who played their game the most. That is amazing. Oh Absolutely God, yeah. amazing. Because what? He had too okay. much ammo. He had too he, he much was too, ammo. Nobody enjoys him that much. And you are 900 hours of the game where they were like, you, you're the only crazy one. We have to stop. Okay, so can someone explain to me that situation thoroughly? And if they did have proof that he wasn't cheating or not, as I've seen as a community manager and person who's done customer service support tickets, team people are liars sometimes. Will you stop trying to be rational about this? It's just a funny headline. This isn't even a rational thing. This is a community manager hat. If you ever talk uh... to a community manager, you'll know this ire of, oh no, they're lying, but they're popular and meet the tone of the want the the screaming masses so i'm trying to figure that part out so according to this article the ban came despite the fact that his original post on farming locations received praise from actual bethesda employees as well as receiving a lot of attention from the somewhat limited fallout settings first of all the shade of this article somewhat limited <laughs> somewhat limited fantastic <laughs> After the disappointment of his ban still being effect after the latest patch, he said he would be moving on to another game. Still banned, patched it, nothing. Submit another ticket. Maybe I get an angel who reads the ticket this time. Good luck to anyone else in the same boat. Uh, he's going to get try to give Warframe a try. Um, well, he could just uh, open up, uh, ask a friend to open it up for Um Because so uh, other friends can access other people's support tickets, right? <laughs> That's very true. about that. That is very true. Oh, God, Fallout 76. What a game. Just keeps on giving. 
Um, so it's an actual uh, regular news you want to talk about. So I. Hey, what, what, whoa, 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 whoa. No whoa, games whoa, dance whoa. playing? Wait, what? Huh? What? No games dance playing? You talked about Tetris 99. Tetris 99. That was Matt's block. <laughs> Tetris 99 was no, the we, only thing on your list when I first started looking at it, sir. I, I mentioned it. I mentioned in the show notes. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Or the episode planning, sorry. Apologies. That there would be a Apologies. secret game. A secret game. Secret game. Secret What is What is a secret game, Daniel? What are you playing now? <laughs> All right. So. <laughs> All right, so, yeah. How many times have we talked about how Ocarina of Time is a great game of the time? A lot. We have we have mentioned this many times. We talked about speedrunning, I think, a bit, maybe, mm-hmm. or like people in the speedrunning community. We mm-hmm. talked about how people have been playing games differently, or you know, I know there was a story of a guy who actually used to do editing videos for the the best friends or the two super best friends. How he would grind up to level ninety nine before playing the rest of the game. Mm-hmm. So like in starting villages. Right. From to level ninety-nine. Yeah. Um there's something that it's not not nearly brand new, but something I found this weekend and I was like, I need to do this now. I watched someone on on Twitch on their birthday start up an Ocarina of Time randomizer run. Has any of you heard of these randomizer runs? I have oh, not yeah. heard of them for Link oh, to the yeah. Past. Didn't know there was, time. They did one... There was, a, there was a tournament a while back, I think, <laughs> that was just... They're cool. Yeah, so um, the, there's an Ocarina of Time community. Uh, I think there's a Discord. But uh, essentially, you need an emulator. Nintendo, stop listening. Um <laughs> Don't want our Discord shut down. Um, so, uh, Ocarina of Time Item Randomizer 4.0 pretty much generates a seed in which everything or some things of the game is completely randomized. So you can set things like you can make logic rules, like you have you can allow it so that the Deku Tree path is open from the start, the Kakariko Gate is open from the start, the Door of Time is open from the start. Zora's fountain, you know, King Zora's moved out of the way. Uh, all the way down to, do you want to hold on to your sword at the beginning? Do you want the <laughs> opportunity to get the weird egg? How much of the trading quest you want? Otherwise, everything, including keys, boss keys, items sold at shops, how much they're worth, songs... Uh, Skultula tokens, the amounts of uh, Ganon's castle uh, trials you have to undergo, and other things are completely randomized. Man, Ocarina of Time sucks. <laughs> so, I, I don't know how you got that out I... of the randomizer. I just enjoy the hot take that just gets thrown in the middle of all of this. <laughs> so, no one acknowledge it. No one acknowledge so, when you're doing, like, a run, you start out and you normally go to the little 
fours with the rolling block to get the sword. You buy the shield after finding all the rupees. The thing is, anything that's in a chest is completely randomized. So you could find a recovery heart, or a gold skull or the Song of Time. Mm-hmm. It's completely randomized, and not only that, you have to learn what is now a weapon you can use until you find the tool you need, as well as you have to kind of figure out what chests are available, so now I have the option to find an item I will need for a dungeon. So, for example, like, you know those four chests at the beginning in the um, one of the little huts? Yeah. That becomes, like, the the number one stop. You gotta figure out what you're getting. It's it, it completely throws off the entirety of the flow of the game, but it turns it into, like, a 3D chess kind of aspect while still playing Ocarina of Time. Mm-hmm. It's very fascinating because not only that, like, everything is randomized. The color of Navi is randomized. The tunic you're wearing is randomized. The sound effects when you are at low health are randomized. So you could have it be the Navi saying, hey, hey, hey. That sounds awful. Or it could be, you know, Epona's, you know, neighing or whatever. Mm -hmm. But everything, everything that's in a chest is randomized, including you can find keys in dungeons for future dungeons. In chess, in the Deku tree. I do have a question. Like, I, I know a big part of like people playing Ocarina of Time now is just all the different glitches in there. Are there randomizations where you need to be able to like float up to the Shadow Temple in order to complete it, or is that kind of stuff? <laughs> oh, oh, people who do the randomizer, they start doing ISTs or ISGs for the yeah. Infinite Sword glitch. Wow. So, you know, you stab, um, stab, uncrouch, highlight uh, a readable or speakable object, mm-hmm. and now you have a sword that's infinitely going without ruining. And that way, you have a Deku stick without swinging that does damage, because you'll quickly find having a Deku stick without a Kikori sword is like finding the bigger on sword at all times. If you run out of... You can enter, for example... Here's how much uh, you can you can belt the game based on logic, so you have to find certain items at certain times, or else like you would be soft locked, or you would have to save and restart. But for example, like when you go into the Deku tree, you need the slingshot to get out of a room, or you need a Deku stick to light a torch, so that the torch gets lit and then you get out of the room. But what happens if you don't have a sword or you don't have the slingshot? It then becomes a game of trying to get around the world and unlock as much of the game as possible and then doing dungeons out of order. It's completely fascinating just how much effort and logic has been put into creating these seeds. It's a, it's, a, it, it's wild. Like, I love Ocarina of Time. It's a great game despite fake news media <laughs> saying otherwise. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> you said it sucks. I'm making a gesture at the computer screen right now. I don't know if oh, you're no. feeling that. This is why we need cats. <laughs> oh, God. So, 
It is very random that you've decided to go back to not just Ocarina of Time, but the random version of Ocarina of Time um, at that. Um, I don't know. I think uh, I think a lot of times uh, you look at those old 3D games, there's a lot of things that don't travel. Unfortunately, not everything can be the, uh, the Wings hat in Super Mario 64, which is just timeless, unfortunately. Um, but... Hmm. <clears throat> <laughs> do you have thoughts, Matt? <laughs> I just hate those levels. I sincerely do. That's all. <laughs> um, but since we're talking about Nintendo, I feel like this is a good transition moment where we can talk about a person who will not be at Nintendo anymore, and that is Reggie Fils-Aimé. Um And so what I want to talk about... Fils-Aimé. Fils-Aimé. Thank you. Uh, what I want to talk about a little bit was if you all have like favorite Reggie moments at Nintendo... Uh, just because I know that he gave a pretty good uh, goodbye, which is just a big part of what makes Nintendo different in general is their personalities are a little bit more like human uh, in some ways. Like Andrew House, <laughs> Andrew House leaving PlayStation was not like we were waiting for Andrew House to be like, we've had such an incredible adventure together. And I am leaving now. <laughs> no, no, one, no one was waiting. No one was waiting. That's for his that. voice so well. <laughs> no one's waiting. Reggie had to go back to his home plant. No. <laughs> uh, but with Reggie leaving, it's like literally it would be a thing. If Shigeru Miyamoto was to leave, uh, it would be a thing that they were leaving. I think the most personal, oh. like if uh, like when Don Matrick and, o- and Co get get stepped off at uh, at Xbox, it's not a thing that they're leaving. Um, a lot of that has to do with like when people leave and why and things of that nature. But um, it's very rare you get like a executive personality who's leaving a company that puts a video out to the entire world to say, I've had such a great time being a representative for this company to all of you. Uh, and it's one of the things that's very rare just in technology in general, but also in uh, just in the game space overall. So um Daniel, do you have a favorite Reggie at Nintendo moment? Um, it's kind of weird to like fawn over CEOs of <laughs> local companies, not even like Japan. Like, oh look, that businessman. Right. I do. We we were talking uh, in the Discord earlier about like how it just reminded me of that conversation on. I, I'm sure it was Neo Gaff at the time, etc. Now, of you know. Black people in the games industry, mm-hmm. and uh, people are like Reggie Fils-Aimé. Uh <laughs> That, uh, and no one else. Uh, but not even that's not true. That's not true, obviously. But like th- on that level, it sucks because like I can't think of level of uh, visible minority uh, leadership in gaming that much. Especially if there's not many positions that require, like, I guess, a CEO and president mm-hmm. in North America, like, for a local community. But I just love, you know, Reggie Fizeme's, like, enthusiasm. Like, there was, so- obviously, when he was saying, I'm going to kick ass and take names, like, when he started out, like, you could tell, like, that was, you know, uh, I'm a fellow gamers. Look at me. I'm here to kick ass. Right. But then, you know, later when he was uh, in 2014, when he said he was going to kick Hungrybox's ass in Smash Bros, even though he knew his ass would be soon kicked, he still had the authentic shit talkery 
of a player and not a CEO that I found that very refreshing. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Rebecca? I always like, and and I know, like, again, like, you know, he's a corporate executive trying to sell video game consoles. I mean, I think, I think you can acknowledge that and also kind of acknowledge that he, he very much did engage with Nintendo America's audience very differently than most corporate executives trying to sell you video game consoles do. Um, and Nintendo as a whole has always had um, that spirit of playfulness. I, I will forever love Nintendo Directs. I know they're trying to sell me video games. They are excellent at selling me video games, but they also just make me really happy to watch. And something that I very deeply miss are the Iwata era direct skits. I know those are like, some people are like, oh, I'm so glad those are done, but they, they were just silly and they made me happy. And I loved what, the one where Reggie fired Bill Trinan. <laughs> like, like it's, Which it's is so, canon, I guess. It's just, <laughs> it's just ridiculous. And, and I just, I really enjoyed them. I, I think, I, and, I, and I know it, it was part of, you know, a Nintendo culture that they did those. Um, but I do think it takes a particular kind of person to be willing to go in there and do those kinds of things. Like, like I could see Phil Spencer, if Xbox ever decided to do something ridiculous like that, going along with it. But I couldn't see, like, Sean Layden doing anything like that. Oh, it would um, absolutely not be either absolutely of their ideas. Not. Someone oh, else no. would have Heavens the idea, no. and they would have to acquiesce. <laughs> to yes. Being like, yes. I won't Sean, be no, I don't, I don't think Sean Layden would do it. He'd make someone else do it. <laughs> exactly. Um, he would not be on stage yeah. for it at all. Or, or J- Jim Ryan. Fuck no. Um... <laughs> Why but, would anyone? But yeah, anyway. But, well, but I, I don't know. I just, I, I think there's a reason he became so memeable and became so beloved by the Nintendo community. And yeah, I think a lot of them skip over the fact that he's not actually the one making the games. But <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna miss his part <clears throat> in it, and I'm very interested to see what Doug Bowser will be and how he will be. I. And very secretly hoping that he just pulls out all the stops and shows up at E3 in a Bowser suit. <laughs> I mean, he's pretty much worn the top hat. Just, and... <laughs> just lean the hell into it, man. I, I mean, really they, they know. Be, I just need him to be the pimp Bowser, though. Like, we got to have him be the pimp <laughs> Bowser from Super Mario Odyssey. Walking in with two women on his helm. Uh, dressed up and the the tortoise shells or whatever it is. I don't remember that name. The names of the Koop, uh, Koopa Troopers. Like just come tortoise shell. <laughs> the Koopa Trooper shells. Uh, just like make sure he got them in hand with the top hat on with the cane. Like it's just perfect. Like just in every scenario, I just want to see him in the top hat, a cane, and just escorting people around for no reason. I don't know why I need him to see that to see that, but. I just feel like he should be in character if he's going to be named Bowser. Anyway, that's not what we're talking so, about anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Eric. You were saying something. Uh, yeah. Um, I might have a little... Not, I don't, I'm don't. i not going to say I have a personal connection to it, but I do... Um, I did briefly meet Reggie at a Nintendo event like back right before the Wii launched, and he seemed like a very good guy, also living in Seattle for a little while. Knew a lot of people who worked at Nintendo of America, and they all have you know nothing but extremely positive things to say about Reggie. So it just he comes across as a very genuine guy that people, you know genuinely had a great time working for, and a great you know 
he's he's definitely a unique figure that will be missed when he goes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for me, it's mostly just um, like Daniel was saying, like it's mostly just that he's there um, because it's very difficult in any kind of situation where you're constantly watching people get on stage and kind of sell you the same thing. Um, and I think Nintendo has done a great job of manifesting themselves as different. And even with Reggie's in like awkward situations where he's having to answer for something he knows is ridiculous. Like when when he's talking Play about the like, game. <laughs> like when he's gotta answer questions about the Switch and like online stuff, and he's just like, I gotta give you the marketing line. But like you can see in his face that he's just like, Look, man, you already know I can't answer that question. Like like that was my favorite part of watching Reggie do anything was like he's gonna give you the exact perfect answer. I executed a hundred percent correctly the way that he has to but he's there's also a nod that's like i know i know <laughs> i would love for him to either get on a podcast you know in a year or two or come out with a uh not necessarily a tell-all book but some kind of behind the scenes book that you know he could really get into things he couldn't talk about too much while he was working there <laughs> I would just want him to be, I just would like the first thing to do, like the day that uh, uh, Bowser takes over, is just like go up to Reggie and be like, Reggie, why is Netflix not on the Switch? Just tell me. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I know, I know, you don't probably control all of that. I understand, but I just want I mean, to know. I mean, Halo will be on the Switch before Netflix at the rate we're going. <laughs> Matty R, do you have any, uh, any uh, thoughts on Reggie leaving uh, Nintendo? Well, this it caught me off guard and nothing else. The my one memory of him that really sticks with me is not so much like the my body is ready meme itself. <laughs> just when that happened, I thought I I had no idea who Reggie was. I figured he was just a a fun mascot more than he was a, a actual business professional. And the fact that from the that personality never seemed to go away, no no matter how long he stayed in that position. And so just after initially being just kind of confused and really just confused about what, like, how does a person in his position have this kind of personality all the time? Just uh, right. eventually just kind of, it was just, uh, just kind of a staple of how I experienced Nintendo. So, yeah, I guess I'm going to miss him. My Body is Ready is definitely one of those things that I didn't watch E3 in real time at the time that it came out. So, post it, it post that and like seeing the meme years later it was just like i really don't know where this came from <laughs> or why or why it is a thing but why is reggie associated with this and it's just another example of like people get associated with the craziest things that and he just and you it's like an off-the-cuff thing because there's no way someone wrote for him to say my body <laughs> certainly <right>. not <laughs> and yeah, well, that's the thing, like, back in the mid-2000s, especially when E3 was on, like, television with Fight TV. Right. The, the It was covered, like, it, and people could see a lot of that kind of stuff. So what the internet's job was to take the most memeable moments of every conference and be, like, you know, exacerbate a lot. Not only that, but because it was right around the time of 599 US dollars and Ridge Racer. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm guessing that's why it kind of took off. It was one of the more excitable, like, off-the-cuff moments that 
it, it seems like robotic in him saying it too. Yeah. But it's also, I mean, there's so many different Wii moments that I'm just always like, you know, I, would, I couldn't imagine having been a part of that as a whole, just because like, especially there was the, the time where the guy was playing the drums and he's just like shaking and sweating really hard. And you're like, I don't understand what's happening right now. <laughs> and he's got to get on stage after that and be like, yeah, this is exactly what we're selling. And I'm like, you know, those are... Those are the things where it's like I know most people don't like don't really sit around and think about like how hard it may be to be an executive or whatever. But those are one of those times where I'm like, for me personally, if I'm selling that, I would have a hard time because I definitely would be laughing my ass. <laughs> Just like this is amazing. I can't believe we're doing this right now. Um, but yeah, I think I think that uh, that Reggie definitely has a. Um, a, a pretty sparkling record for the most part at Nintendo. Uh, I have never heard of any kind of uh, any kind of problems with him except for the people who are like he never answers all of our questions, which is all kind of like yeah, I mean it's kind of his job. It's not really not really meant to answer all of them. Um, but I do think that uh, it'll be weird the very first time that they have a an actual like live thing and he's not there. Uh, no offense to Mr. Bowser, of course, I'm sure he'll be great. But it'll just be something will be missing for the first couple of times. It's not going to be nearly as fun to go to E3 and try to spot Reggie because Reggie's tall. Like he is can, very tall. Super he, he's tall, and people and and he has like when he's going around E3, you know, he's walking around in a suit, and there's usually like like bodyguards or whatever, like trying to keep the crowd from bothering him. Mm -hmm. And so the, he's very easy to spot from a distance because there's kind of like a disturbance in the crowd and then you see a very tall man walking with space <laughs> around him. Um, and, and I don't know how tall Doug Bowser is, but I'm assuming he doesn't quite command the same physical presence that Reggie does. Right. And so I, I, I am going to miss trying to... I, I'm going to miss Reggie spotting at E3. <laughs> we saw him twice uh, last year, didn't we, Dan? Yeah, uh, we yeah. saw him and I think someone else, one either like someone in his entourage or like at Nintendo, yeah, like yeah. heading into a limo Yeah, at the end. Yeah, I, I still very distinctively remember my, I don't think it was last year. I think it was the first year I was at E3. Um, this was not Reggie. This is a Bill Trinan story. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I, uh, I was up there in their little private whatever, you know, doing the demos. And as I was leaving, Bill Trinan was sitting on a sofa. And I don't know what the hell possessed me, but there was a weird, like, I looked at him and my brain registered, oh, that's Bill Trinan. And at that exact moment, he looked up and our eyes met. And I just, like, I just, I gave him, like, a huge smile and just waved at him. And he, he gave me a big smile and waved back at me. I, I mean, he has no idea who the fuck I am. And I just kept walking. <laughs> But you're a member of the press. That's all he knows. Yep, that's yeah. it. I was so. You probably thought should know who you are. I gotta. I meet so many people. Oh, I mean, maybe he he very well might have thought. Oh, she's doing that. She must be somebody I've met before. But I mean, who cares? It was a very it was a very nice moment. But that's actually funny too because Bill Trinan is fairly short, and so seeing him and Reggie next to one another and you know like is. Because I, I think I, I think that was the other time that I saw them was they were they were both up in that booth together, and the difference was. <laughs> yeah, I posted a picture in the uh, in the show notes there. Uh, they're definitely size difference, size difference. Oh, yeah. maybe, maybe about yeah, yeah. half a foot. <laughs> it's gonna be six six inches less. Um, all right, so I, I think 
we were talking about Nintendo and like Nintendo moments. Well, it looks like we may have another Nintendo moment coming towards the uh, the e- towards E3, where in Game Informer is backing a rumor from DigitalFeeds.com that is saying that Xbox will be coming to the Nintendo Switch. So over the course of the last year or so, there was like a big. Uh, there's like an overview that I found of all the different things that have, you know, kind of started these rumors. So one of the aspects of the rumors is that sort of the conversations about Xbox and Nintendo working together more had to do with Rare and Nintendo because there's a certain device starting. So this was by Indie Gamer Chick on Twitter uh, or, or some other uh, form somewhere uh, that was basically saying that... She knows that from some of her indie game people that Xbox and Switch and Nintendo are working on stuff because obviously Nintendo would like to use rare titles to have on the forthcoming Nintendo 64 Classic or whatever it is. Um, because they couldn't really do a Nintendo 64 Classic without rare stuff because as we all know, they need Diddy Kong Racing on there. Um... <laughs> She did not know that. That is my well. Du- Direct Feed Games uh, was pushing that rumor too. Yeah. So this was apparently. Uh, let's see. Uh, apparently, he took. He was using that as a reference, and then um, the next thing that came up was that Microsoft posted their keynote description early, talking about their Xbox Live SDK going to Switch and other mobile devices. Um, then they had a post on kind of funny games daily where Imran was also talking about the fact that he, uh, he knew he was on kind of funny games daily and he knew that there was a dead and buried game that would be revived for switch. Um, and then a Nintendo insider called that a, the game scale bound. Uh, so Liam Robertson, who's very known for knowing a lot of things that Nintendo has been working on or has like insider information on that said, he's not sure if. Uh, if Scalebound is being worked on by Nintendo, but that they're definitely having a very good relationship these days. Not soon after, we found out that Hellblade is going to be going on to the Switch. Um, and Imran, also on Game, from Game Informer, who's, who wrote up this report, also stated that he expects that there's going to be more games from there in the future going there, which then Nate Drake, who is the guy from Digital Feed Games, says that uh, he knows that there's going to be not only some games on there, but also going to have Game Pass and xCloud on Switch, uh, in addition to games like Ori and the Blind Forest making their way to Switch as well. Uh, Since then, there has been a posting in the UK or something like that of a retailer posting Ori and the Blind Forest for the Switch. So that's a thing. Uh, And then from there, another site called Joe Video reported that um, other games... Look, man, it's bigger. It keeps getting bigger. Um, But there's other games that specifically... No, no, no. no. Sorry, what was the outlet? That's the name. It's called Joe Video. J-E-U-X Video. Joe. Je, sorry, man. I don't speak French. <laughs> it means game. I don't know what that means. I, I just don't game? Know speak French. Game video. Daniel, Daniel doesn't speak French either. He just listens I do Canada. speak French. <laughs> I talk grade nine French. I do Thank speak very French. Much. How dare you, ma'am? I you speak French. Speak French the way I speak Spanish. <laughs> I, I would like to hear some French, please. 
Je ne comprends pas le idiot. That was rude. That was extremely rude. How dare you, sir? Anyway, the video comes out and they said there's been several meetings about an upcoming partnership. They confirm Ori the Blind Forest will come on the Switch, but also Cuphead. Um, more than a hundred Xbox games will be available on Switch via Game Pass um, using X Cloud. So the idea being that you can you you can play Xbox games via X Cloud because it'll be streaming them on the on the device instead of being a hard hard download. Um, but then also that they would be able to get some rare games um, coming there. No mention of Scalebound or anything like that. So no one's following up the Scalebound rumor. But it seems mm -hmm. that the Scalebound rumor was coming from Nintendo working with Microsoft altogether. Uh, the other thing that Joe video adds is that a high-profile Microsoft franchise could come to the Nintendo Switch, but they don't know in what capacity it would be. So they don't know if it's Halo, Halo, Forza, or Gears, but that one of those will make their way. Forza would be the one that I would guess most likely to make it there, since it'd be the easiest. Uh, uh. Or not. There's another... Are you... <laughs> no, I just... I, I I just don't see Forza as being the one. But I could I, be wrong. I I mean, I, that, that's based on nothing. That's just based on the fact that... Of what Forza It doesn't feel like. right. But, it doesn't feel right. I mean, I mean, it's also like, what can run on Twitch if you're not doing like, you know, like you're doing in Japan with cloud streaming. It's like... I don't know, like Ori in the Blind Forest, maybe. What else could run on it? Yeah. Well, so the, I mean, the whole thing, right, is that they're they're gonna put Project X Cloud on the Switch too. Like that's part of the rumor, and so it would be able to stream games that the and, Switch couldn't normally run. But that would also still be streaming, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't, I don't know. Um, I, I think for, I think Fours is a tall order because that game like like part of the big selling point of that game is how smooth it runs and how beautiful it looks. Um, Ori, I think you can get away with a little bit because it's style. Well, they're yeah. actually saying that Ori is not going to be just a streamable game, but they're actually porting it to it, and that um, according to Gematsu, it is published being published by Th Nordic. Um, Hey man, I'm just breaking. There's yeah. a lot. To no, this. no. <laughs> there's like seven, eight. There's like nine steps to this. I'm only. On yeah, I was gonna say like I like this is what happens when you're working for steps eight and nine. <laughs> <laughs> um, next thing was uh, Windows Central is apparently a test of Ori and the Blind Forest and a couple for the Xbox Live XDK program. Um, Matt's from Windows Central, and then the last is the guy Brad Sams, who's apparently like like Thoreau and all these other people who apparently I don't know how all these people literally I feel like Xbox's marketing department has looked like look every time that we have anything that's happening that could possibly be negative, let's leak something else about what we're working on somewhere <laughs> because there's no way there's this many people who just know people at Microsoft all the time. This did not happen for most of this generation where you're just like. Oh uh, yeah, I I just happen to know. I, I'm random YouTube guy. I'm random random Windows Central site that just showed up. Is like, oh yeah, Windows just, Central I, isn't random. I know yeah, I was gonna random. say. I'm just playing, guys. I'm just. I freelance for them. <laughs> I'm just. Playing, <laughs> I'm just playing in the sense of like how many different people seem to have different reports of what's going on inside of Xbox. Um, there's not like, it's not like before where it was like when they were launching the Xbox One X, 
there were like rumors about it, but then like Richard Ledbetter had like stuff from them specifically about it. Like there's not like a there's not like a Eurogamer or or anyone like that who's like going on the record until this Game Informer thing happened because all the rumors about the next Xbox and all that stuff, all of those have been going to these guys like Brad Sams and the, and the like thus far in terms of actually they're the ones who are reporting it, even though obviously other people inside the industry know, probably know about it just as much as well because they know similar people. Um, um, the fact that the fact that Imran came around and reported on it was kind of what brought me around to believing the rumors because mm-hmm. he is he's he's pretty good about reporting things that are actual things. Yeah. Um, he's got he's got a really good track record. Um, but I mean, even places like that, like Windows Central knows their stuff. Um, Therat, I know some of the stuff came from them. Mm-hmm. Um, they they have a really good track record on like tech kind of stuff. So yeah. I mean, it seems. It seems like this is a thing. Um, I'm not sure how much of the details are correct, but it sounds like we'll at least get a little bit of a confirmation of what's going on at GDC because this all started with that whole GDC panel that was, you know, Microsoft talking about, you know, bringing, you know, Xbox stuff or bringing Game Pass to Android and, you know, all these other services and Switch. Um, So I'm very curious as to what that means. Um, It's also, I mean, it goes back to, we had an interview, I think it was with Phil Spencer, uh, maybe last year. I don't remember. I was, I was reading it again yesterday, but it was, he, Phil Spencer basically said, we want to put Game Pass on literally everything. Um, Yeah. So that, that's been their goal from the start. This isn't, this isn't like some weird unheard of party. What'd you say? I was joking. I was joking saying finally going third party. No, I mean it's not a joke. Like they're absolutely No, no, no. They're still going to make first party stuff. They are I I don't think that they're going to make anything exclusive to Xbox. Like they they're at the point now where they already, is What are you Halo talking about? They, uh Halo uh Infinite will be That's what I'm saying. Like what Halo's like the last frontier cuz you can already play Gears on PC. Like Halo is the only game that is exclusive to an Xbox platform of any kind. They'll just be making it exclusive to their Game Pass service. And then they'll be selling their Game Pass service as a third-party application for Switch now. Um, according to Brad Sams, they're trying to bring it to TVs, uh, which makes sense. They're trying to bring it to mobile based on what Phil Spencer was saying before um, from both Rebecca's interviews and other places that he's been. Like... They are 100% going in. And, like, the only person who has anything to gain by them not being on their platform at this point is PlayStation. Like, <laughs> like they're, <laughs> and that's literally it. Like, they're the only person who's like, hey, we can't put this on our platform because it is a literal competing service with something we already do. Um, but outside of them, like, it doesn't matter that it's on PC that way. They don't get the same games as Origin Pass, which also has the same concept and idea. Um, any other publisher that would get in the mix of this would be doing their own game. So even if Ubisoft were to provide one or Bethesda were to provide one or anyone else, like they would be doing mostly their games and putting their games on there uh, and likely removing them from Game Pass if they're already there already. Like Microsoft is in fact now just a third party for, and they started that when they bought Minecraft and they're now just kind of expanding it to be like, hey, it doesn't really matter where people buy our games. It's better for us if they buy them anywhere. 
Um, which makes sense. The only part that doesn't really make sense is like the other side of the rumors are also on their actual platform that they're going to be announcing at E3, which is like they're going to have like two SKUs. There's a rumor about a streaming box. There's there's all kinds of Xbox stuff out there. But this is the only one that's really concrete in the sense of like a major a major site, Game Informer, is reporting on it and saying, hey, this is going to be a thing that happens. Uh, and I'm pretty sure like, if they could based on their interviews and whatnot, if they absolutely could get into the PlayStation user base and be like, hey, what if you're a user base signed up for Game Pass? They would absolutely do it. The only thing I have a question about is, is Nintendo getting a percentage of those subscriptions um, when they come through their store? And the other side of it is Xbox Live Gold is currently required to play games online with Game Pass. And would they make that requirement go away and you could use Nintendo Switch online to play games online there? That's kind of like the major outline question that I have about this. But other than that, like, I think it makes perfect sense. Like, you have, they have no traction in Japan or anywhere else outside of the outside of the United States and the UK for the most part. The Switch absolutely does. Putting your games on there gives you a better user base for you to be able to sell this too. Uh, so I I don't I don't really see that there's any kind of conflict here except for the fact that they have PlayStation on the other side, like. Eh, nah, you're not you're not gonna use our users for this. But other than that, I don't see any reason why, or I I don't see anything that conflicts with their current statements that they've made for the last two years with being able to do this and the idea that they just become more of a third party versus really focusing on making sure they sell Xboxes. Which they the thing is, it's too. still it's still Xbox games. Just because they're being streamed to another console doesn't mean it's third party. You don't acquire 17 studios and consider it's third party. They're not making games for multiple consoles. They're making Xbox games that people will pay Xbox to play. No, they're making Xbox games for Game Pass for people to play and purchase Game Pass to play. Xbox yes, Game that's Pass still everywhere. Yeah, but that's still yeah, Xbox. Yeah. That's not, you know, Nintendo Pass. But what I'm saying is, it's like it's, they will never be like it's be, like essentially what I'm saying is, say you have an Apple TV and you have iTunes on there, you're not gonna get iTunes on an Amazon TV because Amazon has Amazon Prime Music and they're not gonna put iTunes on there for you to use that. But iTunes in and of itself is a is a first party application from Apple that they put everywhere as a hey we're an application you can download. And it's the same thing with Game Pass, is that they are going to make it an application that is provided by them to other platforms for them to be able to access it. And when they make their games for Game Pass, they're going to build out this cloud infrastructure that's based on running Xboxes, the same way that PlayStation made PlayStation Now, which is based on running PS3s and now PS4s, to be able to run games on these other, other platforms. So, like, I understand it's still a first-party effort that they're working on, but, like, the idea is that they're going to basically be acting as if their games are available everywhere. And that's, like, that's kind of the whole point in building out this xCloud thing is they don't need you to buy an Xbox. They already have 50 million Xboxes in the cloud being able to make sure it streams correctly on your phone. That was they do they, not have 50 million Xboxes. I don't know how many. They, they got 50 million Xboxes. That, they don't even have 50 million Xboxes people own. I'm just throwing a number out there. <laughs> um, well, you know, I mean, it's just as likely because Microsoft hasn't given Xbox numbers in uh, since year one. 
I think uh, an insider, uh, not an insider, but like one of the people who does analysis, uh, either um, either Daniel or what's his name, or Benji, Hello. one of those guys said at one point that they're at like forty five billion or something like that, um, which would mean that they've sold about fourteen million since the last I mean, we've had or twenty something million since the last time we had real numbers. But either way, I mean that's not really neither here nor there. I think it's just interesting that. To, exp- to expand and conquer that problem, they basically said, we really don't want to be tied to the success of our hardware with being the success of Xbox as a platform anymore. We rather that would be tied to the success of our games at acquiring people to pay for our services rather than paying for the entry call- entry-level cost to our platform as well. And I'm 100% trying to figure out and try- kind of wondering how successful they're going to be um at doing it and i think it's very interesting that they're doing this because i feel like there's definitely more things coming later in a set like especially google has something that they're working on you have a lot of other people working on things that will make it a lot more interesting in the next few years where you have a few more players and a lot of different ecosystems working out but my one question is, how, how is this going to get me to play Death Stranding on Switch? <laughs> well, what it could Never do is, happen. if Nintendo is open for business for one service, I mean, who's to, stay, who's to say PlayStation won't be like, hey, you can play PlayStation games on, on Switch. It'll be like five years later. But I would like that. <laughs> but who cares if it's five years later? The thing is, well, the one thing we keep forgetting is that these companies will change their third-party and first-party policies when it comes to the next generation of consoles at announcement time. Like, and even beyond that, like, remember at launch, Xbox One require you to pay them money to use your Netflix subscription. Mm -hmm. You still have to pay Microsoft before you can play Epic Games for free. Epic Games is Fortnite for free. Don't have to do that like anywhere. X, no, you do not have to pay uh, no, PlayStation that's what, Plus. That's what I, said. I agree. I agree. I was saying you don't oh. have to do that anywhere else. Yeah. I thought you said they do that everywhere else. No, I think no, 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 no. We're in agreement. Okay. No. But, like, that's the thing. Like, once we know, like, I don't see Microsoft, like, I, I, I have to see what kind of Game Pass they have where they're not getting upwards of 90% of Game Pass money. Yeah. I, I, I Like I said, I'm very curious on that as well. Um, because, like, you put something on another platform, you have to play by that platform's rules. So if somebody can buy Game Pass on a Switch, like, they got to take, they got to give whatever percentage of the subscription to Nintendo on a regular basis, which to me is smart for Nintendo because it's like, I don't know how many people actually care about Xbox who own Switches. Um, but Nintendo's bet is none of them are going to stop playing Switch to go play Xbox because they got Game Pass. Um, right. Which, so which like makes my, sense. Go ahead. So, like, my argument about it was that um, since we're nearing what seems to be a new console generation in the next couple of years, mm-hmm. um, most people don't own just a Switch. I mean, I do, but I'm weird. Most people own... <laughs> If, if they own a Switch, they own a Switch and something else. And so... Uh, what to, to define most. I mean, that's, that's like... I don't know. That 
that just seems to be the trend, right? Like the switch is cheaper and it's portable. And I'm, I'm pretty sure there have been like, there's been like a thing where people like already, you know, they already have like a PS4 or an Xbox one or whatever. And then the switch joins it. So maybe, again, maybe not, that, maybe not like most, but it, it's probably more likely that if you have a switch, you have like a, you have like a switch and something else as opposed to having an Xbox one and a PS4, I guess is what I'm saying. Well, right. yeah, it's, well, the, the, again, whenever you t talk to anyone online about gaming or if you're reading stuff about online gaming or any level of that, that's already a level of hardcoredness that the casual audience will not nearly touch. Okay, that, like, so, so that's that, fair. Like, but the, my point is, as ahead. we're getting into a new console generation, um, it may, for for Xbox and so, for Microsoft and Sony, and not for Nintendo because Nintendo's already where they're going to be for the next several years. Um, it it makes sense for Xbox to try to get that edge on Sony by putting the idea of Xbox and putting putting the name of Xbox into the heads of people who have switches. Um, right. Just, you know, so that they'll lean that way as opposed, because if I already, if I have Xbox Game Pass on my Switch and I find out with the next console, there's going to be games that I can't get on my Switch through Xbox Game Pass, but I already know that I like Xbox games because I have Game Pass and I'm already paying for Game Pass, then I might be more inclined to get an Xbox as opposed to a PS whatever. Yeah, I... I... That, that's where, sorry, that was, that was roundabout, but that was what I was trying to get to. No, and I, I definitely agree. I mean, it's it's one of those things where, to me, Nintendo put themselves in a great position by not competing. Like, one of the things where we always talked about, like, will Nintendo go third party? Will they get rid of the hardware? It's like, they put themselves in a good enough position where the hardware they have today is selling well enough that the Xbox can look at the platform and in addition to everything else that they're looking to put it on and say, we want to put our games there with the idea that the Nintendo Switch doesn't actually compete in the same console space as PS4 and Xbox One or PS5 and the Xbox and whatever it's called. Uh, and, this will, and this will work. I don't know if they'll restrict, because right now, as of now, every game that comes out on Game Pass will be available pretty much everywhere um, if it's an Xbox-only title. And their restrictions are more along the lines of, like, if you have Game Pass on your PC, right? You can get all of the games that are like Xbox particular, um, but if they're third parties or something they got on Game Pass, those may be restricted to you because they may not be in the Windows Store or they may not have the rights to them on that platform. But on their platform, you get all of whatever they have. So I think it'll be definitely interesting to see what this ultimately ends up being. Um, as of right now, I think that, you know, Rebecca's got the right thought on it. I think Xbox has the right thought on it. I think Nintendo has the right thought on it because it's just free money for them at a certain point because they don't compete with Xbox ever. Uh, every time that they've ever had any kind of comparisons, it's always been to PlayStation, except when the Wii U was drowning. But other than that, they were losing everybody at that point. So I think it's a smart move. I think it'll be very interesting to see if Nintendo's open for business for this particular thing, if they would be open for business for other uh, streaming devices as well because EA was saying that their services were coming to be able to put like subscriptions on another platform and theirs and their things and it was like well obviously it could be the uh, the PlayStation 4 would get the ability to do EA access but it could be Nintendo who knows um, they could just be trying to open up like as many platforms as possible to sell 
subscriptions do. So I don't know. It'll. I think it's very interesting. Nintendo doesn't always come off as tech savvy, but they know how to make money. So I usually, whatever they do, I'm like, it's going to work for somebody. Uh, <laughs> it may not work for me, but somebody it will. Um, speaking of Xbox, though, because we did, I did mention a lot of other things. But uh, next thing is like a little bit shorter. Uh, Xbox's Mikey Barra. Uh, decided that he doesn't mm-hmm. think that reviews are anything but watching streamers playing demos and talking to your friends. Um, and he said this in reaction to somebody um, talking about a correction to uh, to Anthem that occurred. And they were like, he was basically like, this is a really small fix. And the reviewer who played this didn't even understand how to do certain mechanics in the game. Um, and so somebody was like, well, who are your favorite reviewers? And he was like, I don't do reviews because everyone enjoys different things. I'd suggest modern reviews should be watching streamers playing, play a game, doing the demo, listening to what your gaming friends think. And if it seems like something you'll enjoy, then great. Uh, needless to say, (laughs) I thought, I thought the initial tweet was like worse in a way though, because Mm -hmm. his initial tweet was. Uh, amazed at the whining. One reviewer, not the below, yeah. reviewed the game yet. Re- reviewed the game yet, and the review cited that he didn't even know how to do a combo. Embarrassing reviewers to lack of knowledge. Like that yeah. is the biggest fucking dog whistle for the shittiest people in video game internet. Right. And I, I just, man, you you have got to be like fucking aware of that when you're tweeting that. Mm-hmm. Like it was just, it was real bad. Yeah, I mean, and it didn't get any better. Um, no, it did not get any yeah, better. And, and he kept doubling down later. Um, yeah. But then, about go ahead, Eric. I think you're there. Oh, I was just gonna say, from all accounts, like the the um, onboarding, which they're supposed to have entire teams dedicated to this kind of stuff for people on Anthem, has been problematic at best, including combos. So it's not a, yeah. it's not just one person, you know, who had an issue with. Oh yeah, the comments are full of people going, um, in order to figure out how to do combos, you have to like go into some obscure menu somewhere and read how to do it. Like you have yeah. to know to go look for it. It doesn't like teach you. So that no, was that Yeah. Yeah, it's not good. Yeah, it's one it's of not, many problems. It's not like it's the Civilopedia or anything. <laughs> right. Um, so about eight hours later, he tried to clean it up, which was my favorite part of this. Cause when we were talking about it in real time. I was just like, I can't believe he hasn't, like, come back to this yet. Like, he's literally not come back to this. So after he made that tweet, uh, which was at 7 o'clock in the morning, at 2 Which should have been deleted at any part of the morning. At yeah. seven, at 7.01 seven yeah. in the morning. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> at 7 in the morning. 7.5. At 7 in the morning, he did that tweet. And he followed it up. That by 2.30, somebody had got to him more like, you should probably not have just tweeted that and just leave it there. Uh, so he replied to himself and said, Def should also read reviews from your favorite sites or journalists as input. Many things to look at to help determine if you will like or dislike a particular game. I reference many of them all the time for my own decision making. The more, the better. Which is the complete opposite of what he just said. I yeah. know. I yeah, know. and he, he said no problem. And people pointed this out. He has no problem promoting positive reviews of Microsoft Pro, of Microsoft. <laughs> products like oh absolutely not and this I again think, this isn't even yeah. a microsoft product this is a we bet on promoting yeah. anthem right they have a marketing deal with anthem yeah <laughs> uh, and which it was, is like it the was, worst kind of salt it, this whole thing was made even better later in the week and we we should not dig into this story but the the brief summary is that some some dude who was uh who, who was a streamer 
who was paid to 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 talk about Anthem by EA. um, To stream it. To stream it, to stream it, to stream it, did did not, um, he didn't put the correct disclosures on his video. And so EA told him to pull the video down. And instead of, you know, you know, just, you know, putting the correct dis- disclosures and putting the video back up, he tried to come out and say that EA had made him take the video down because it was a negative review of the game. Oh, and wow. so, so like, j- just this whole thing about, the whole misconception about who is trustworthy to say th- to give opinions about games, who is being paid to say what. I mean, I mean, just, just the whole thing. Yeah. It- and, and, this, and this isn't just to, just to slam streamers in general, because, you know, obvious like, I mean, integrity is an individual thing, but there there are a lot of programs that pay people to stream and say say positive or neutral things about video games, mm-hmm. and there is a culture of believing that those things that are said are more honest and forthright about what their actual opinions are than the things in written reviews, and it's just it's just man, the whole thing is just fantastic. Yeah. Which reminds me of um, something I wasn't actually going to bring up until you you mentioned that part of like uh, there was a time at the launch of the Xbox One where Machinima was a a thing that existed <laughs> and, and uh, <laughs> oh god uh, b uh, the Xbox One was being pushed hard on YouTube channels more specifically than Twitch and there was a Machinima deal where pretty much they were paying people to promote and talk positively, positively being the keywords, about the Xbox One. And in their contracts for these Machinima people that, it was pretty much like an in-system bounty, a little dissimilar to Twitch, but like it pretty much internal, do you want to take this contract bounty? You are not allowed, you are not allowed to mention that this was a paid promotion in the contract and their Xbox was paying Mishima influencers to promote the Xbox one and hoodwink their audiences. And this is why it's so much uh, for content streamers, like the FTC got involved and that's why you started to see a lot more people put ads sponsored partnered content. Mm. It was because of a Machinima and Xbox deal. (laughs) Yikes. Which is the kind of people that Mike Yabara wants you to listen to. Oh, uh, man. And, and For the first tweet. And so does Ja Rule. So does Ja Rule. I'm just... Where is Ja? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Fire Festival. Um, anyway. Two. <laughs> so that that was that was the Xbox Mike Yabara thing. I, I just thought that that was the epitome of, like, I just don't know. Why are you saying that? Like, that's the first thing that, like, if I was an executive in that position, it's like, do I need to say anything about this? No. This is not something I should talk about. Even if it, even if he was probably mad. I think he was probably more mad at the Crackdown 3 reaction. Yeah, that seemed to be what, <laughs> what people get. Yeah, it's like, he, yeah, it would be, he probably thought it would be less obvious if he was talking about Anthem as opposed to Crackdown 3 and people just fell right through it anyways. <laughs> But um, for the last thing, I'm going to let you run with it, uh, Rebecca, as I believe it was you who added this on here. Um, the ArenaNet and EA Australia layoffs that... How could um, you tell it was me? <laughs> because... Uh, I know, I, was, I know. You were the anonymous buffalo, or, or liger. <laughs> or... <laughs> Go ahead, Rebecca. <laughs> no, 
know. Um, I mean, I mean, it's a grim way to end things, but it, this last week we heard about yet two more, actually, two more big rounds of layoffs in the industry. Um, the first one we heard about was at ArenaNet. Um, as far as I know, these actually have not begun yet. Um, but uh, Kotaku, Jason Schreier, um, reported on this one. Um, there was an email sent out from NCSoft, their, uh, their ArenaNet's parent company, um, their CEO, that basically told them that um, their Western business was declining. And as a result, they were going to have to make cuts in a lot of places. And part of that was they were going to have layoffs. Um, and so yeah, it's going to, we don't know how big the scope of them are going to be yet, or it's, it's kind of assumed that they're going to be pretty major. Um, mm-hmm. there's around 400 people currently employed at ArenaNet, and it just fucking sucks because we just had Activision Blizzard lay off 800 people last week. And now we've got, you know, however many more coming out from ArenaNet. Um, and it's, I mean, it's also going to be... I mean, interesting in kind of a weird, sad way to see what the trajectory of ArenaNet in the uh, is going to be now, um, because the only thing they do is Guild Wars Two. Like that's it. Mm-hmm. And Guild Wars Two is not. It's not like wow. It's not a paid subscription. You buy the game and you buy the expansion, and then you have the game and you play it, and you don't have to buy it anymore. And they only come out with a new expansion every other year. So they're really only releasing some new thing every other year. But they have to have all the resources to keep an MMO going. So mm-hmm. it's just, it, it's going to be, I'm, I'm interested to see what it means for the game. But I mean, even more than that, like, I'm really sorry for all the people at ArenaNet that end up getting affected. Um, they're, I, from, from the sound of it on Twitter, it sounds like they're handling it pretty well. And they're like, being really transparent with the employees. Like, that's what people have been saying. But it just, man, it just sucks. Like, layoffs just suck. Yeah, um, I... I yeah. think there was a minor controversy that I I didn't get to oh. the bottom of it yesterday. Can we? I, I I know I know where you're going with this. Can we pause it and I'll finish with the with the EA ones first? Yeah, go ahead. Because I I think I know where you're going with that. Um. Yeah. So then the second one was we actually heard about later that night. Um. Was that EA's Australian studio Fire Monkeys is getting ready to lay people off, and it sounds like they're probably gonna lay off. Somewhere between, like, I've seen different estimates. I've seen uh, Game Workers United Australia was estimating between 40 to 50. Um, I saw some people saying it could be as many as 80. Um, Mm -hmm. But quite a few people are being laid off. And because Australia's games industry is so small, um, they were estimating that it was going to be, like, a quarter of the studio, and it was going to be, like, a tenth of the Australian games industry. Like, Fire Monkeys, I guess, is a really big employer in that part of the industry. And so they're really isn't anywhere for these people to go Um, and fire monkeys does mobile games um they do uh need for speed no limits uh some sims mobile game they they do various ea mobile games um Mm -hmm. but just just again like just a whole bunch of layoffs and it's just it's like part of a trend right like we had activision blizzard um there have been there have just been a shit ton of layoffs in the last like six months um i didn't pull up the list in front of me but um like Last last year, there were a bunch at various studios. I think it was... I'll, I'll pull up the list while Martin, you talk about your thing, because there have just been a whole bunch. Yeah, yeah. I um, The other thing that I was going to mention is, like, it kind of got back to um, to Kotaku after he announced the ArenaNet thing. Uh, Jason Schreier has apparently been getting hit. And there's been, like, some back and forth on it. And apparently people think that he was insensitive in reporting in advance of the actual layoffs occurring. Mm-hmm. 
So EA Australia um, is actually suffering the layoffs in real time, but the ArenaNet layoffs were just something that Schreier reported as oncoming. And it was uh, it was stated to him, apparently, um, and I can find the exact tweet where he mentions it, but there were people saying that uh, they don't really appreciate the way in which he, um, he reports the news, which was very interesting to me because I was like, not on his side, but like the way that I thought about it was basically from the way that he said it, where it's like, he gets news that there's a large amount of layoffs coming from a major studio that has previously been enshrined in other issues dealing with their workers, and he's going to report on this as a labor rights issue. Um, but there was the alternative perspective of people who had been laid off by a company who were saying, like, it is unfortunately not very... Uh, unfortunately, it doesn't feel right that you report on it in the way that you do, um, and he's been saying that he's been thinking about it. Um, but the thing that he mostly said at the uh, two people was that he thinks that they are kind of misconstruing his intent, um, where they think that he's trying to do this to gain notoriety. And he's like, I'm not really like if I wanted to gain notoriety and clicks, I would definitely write about something else. I could definitely be writing about Anthem. Um, but instead, he's <laughs> actually talking about um He's talking about workers' rights and labor rights, and those things don't really generate clicks at all in any kind of way, um, but it's an important thing for him to report on. So uh, one of the things that was said to him was from, uh, let me see if I can find her, but Emily Grace Buck, who was um, one of the people at Telltale, I believe. Um, yeah, that's right. And so she had said in a reply to him, you know, because basically his, his starting statement was humans are tribalistic. So it's a normal to view a company as a family, which leads to reactions like, how dare you report on these layoffs before management told us? I sympathize. But the only people who have workers' best interests in mind are workers. Your company is not your family. A Blizzard employee told me recently that despite video game industry's volatility, it always felt like layoffs would never happen there. If a company needs to please its shareholders, layoffs can and will happen anywhere. The only way to fight back is to organize. Also, it's hard not to be upset when you hear about layoffs or other major news about your own company through outside press. I've been there dozens of times, and every time it's happened, I blame my company for not keeping me informed, not the press for doing their jobs. One more thing, anyone accusing us of reporting for on these for clicks isn't just being cruel and crass. They also have no understanding of the media landscape. If I was after clicks, I'd be posting anthem guides, not reporting on labor. To which Emily Grace Buck replied, um... Have you considered that if people that if the people you're attempting to help consistently do not want you to help them in the way you currently are, that the issue might not be with all of them? Seems like you're insulting the population you're saying you want to help instead of listening. No one seems to think your reporting is unimportant or that companies are doing the right thing. Thank you for reporting. There have been concerns raised about the amount of empathy in your methods and timing because of unintentional harm towards the people you're trying to help. I hope you continue to raise these issues because it's important as hell and you're doing all of us a huge service. I also hope you consider listening to those who are asking you for more empathy because they are going through trauma and deserve ethical care. Keep on trucking. To which he replied, as far as methods, I can always be doing better, trying to show more empathy, trying to be more transparent. And I had a chat with someone involved on Thursday night who made some, made some very good points that I've been chewing on. But as far as timing, we'll have to disagree. Um, to which that's pretty much where that left off. So there's not really a huge controversy here in any kind of way. It just kind of as a part of reporting on these types of things, it's very difficult 
to kind of keep the balance of, hey, this is just a, this is a news story, but this is also like a thing that truly affects other people's lives uh, in a way. So that's yeah. so. So the full list um, of layoffs since uh, September 2018 that we're aware of is Capcom Vancouver, Telltale Games, Disney Canada, Treon Worlds, Bandai Namco Vancouver, Jam City, Activision Blizzard, ArenaNet, and Fire Monkeys. Like that's a crap ton of layoffs. Um, yeah, that Twitter argument was interesting. I, it was really interesting to me because I woke up at like 6 a.m. that morning and it was going on. And then I sat down for work at 11 a.m. and it was still going on. Yeah. Um, that was it, my, my take on it is I, 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 I mean, I see both, right? Like I write about these things, so I get it. I also like think if someone's telling you that what you're doing is hurtful to them, you should listen to them, right? And, you know, mm-hmm. try to avoid doing things that are hurtful to them. I think the arena, and, and I think there's like a lot of room for a conversation about how do we report on layoffs? You know, how how do we do that empathetically? Um, and especially when you're the one who's the source of the, that news. Like for me, my job is just to report on what's been said and, you know, try to follow up where I can, but there's only so much I can do. Like if he's already broken the news, the news is broken. Um, but also I thought the arena net layoffs were a weird one to pick that fight on. Like, I, that that one was really weird to me because my understanding is that the email had already gone out to all employees. Like, yeah, he kind of followed it up pretty quickly after, but it, like the employees had already been informed. So it, it seems very weird to me that this is the one that we've decided to have this conversation on as opposed to, you know, any of the other layoffs where, you know, the news breaking was like, oh, it sounds like these might be happening soon. And then everyone's nervous for a week and then it happens. Um, so... Yeah. Yeah. As someone who's always find trying to find new ways to eat the rich, like um, it's like <laughs> I, I find that it's like it, it's weird. I've like Shrier's one of the few people in the games industry that does uh that in games journalism that does uh games journalism. But at <laughs> the same true. time, at the same time, like I also have an issue with sometimes with the way that he does approach like stories and which stories are news and what he thinks are news or not news because he didn't get to it first. Like I can remember back in the pre employed like pre employed with sites, Laura Kate Dale, when she was reporting a bunch of Nintendo rumors and like rumors that would end up to be reports and true about Nintendo products, including the Nintendo Switch. Like he'd always poo-poo the idea in which the information was come about, even though it was accurate and it was about games that were to be announced. And it see it came across in a way that like it was because he didn't get to it first. It was very weird. Like there's a time where like Schreier has a history of if someone tells him that or goes against what his idea of right is, he is very hesitant and very digs in. And as someone who's an expert of digging in, I understand and can recognize <laughs> when other people are doing it. <laughs> so like, yeah, when he says like he's reading it, he's, you know, he's reading and listening that reminds me of another video. Oh, no. <laughs> no. Like, that's what I hear. When I hear that, I'm hearing and listening. That's exactly what I hear. People say, other white dudes saying, I'm listening. I hear you. I'm listening. 
Well, have you stopped talking so I can talk now? Well, I don't think that I don't I don't really necessarily want to go into like Jason's intent or anything like that, because like the, the conversation was merely that people were saying that it was unethical for him to have leaked that they were having layoffs when most of the staff had not find found out. And, and that's where the, 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 the eating the rich part comes in. Like the corporation should be telling its employees and being forthright about their livelihoods. So yes. according to him, that they had already sent out a company-wide email to everyone saying that layoffs were coming. Yeah. I was also time. talking about the um the the active vision. I think like a lot of it got pulled into it at this time because he was reporting other layoffs ahead of time. Yes, yeah. and that that one I think would have been because he reported that 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 was coming like months ago, like m months before it actually happened, and that one I think would have been easier to have this conversation on. But the ArenaNet one, I mean, there was enough time for the email to get sent to all employees, an employee within the company to see the email, send it to him, and mm -hmm. then for him to put the email in the story. Maybe he already had a story partially written up but to put the email into the story that he maybe had partially written up or maybe write a whole story and then publish it. Like there was enough time in there that presumably people at the company would have seen the email already. But I also don't want to deny the experience of people who were saying, no, we hadn't seen the email yet. We heard about this from the first time for Kotaku and that hurt. Like, I don't, I don't want to tell them, sorry, you're wrong. That, cause, cause they're not like, if they felt shitty about it, they felt shitty about it. Yeah. I, and I think, for me, it's mostly like, you know, I mean, you get you get a lot of company-wide emails. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, oh, you God, get, yeah. You get so many, like, we actually have a regular Thursday meeting um, in addition to updates about the food that will be available at the Thursday meeting. And then what will be presented <laughs> at the Thursday meeting. And then anything well, what, that you have at the Thursday meeting, you also have to get updates about that if it's important in the meantime, in between time, the Thursday meetings. So I understand that you get a lot of company-wide email. So it's possible that they literally had just not checked that because you get a lot of email all the time. And then they saw they were checking Kotaku uh, <laughs> instead of their email and saw it there. And they were like, this is not really how I would have wanted to find out. Well, to me, it's just kind of like, I mean, there seems to be mostly a lashing out at, towards him in the sense of, I wouldn't have wanted to find out this way. And his reasoning for promoting the article about Activision Blizzard layoffs possibly coming was that they were not telling their employees that they were going to do that because they were trying to hide it from the investors that they were going to have these mass layoffs. So they waited until after that time period. There, there's also something like, and we're going to preface this, this is people who are not business people talking about video game business. Right. But I'm pretty sure, and also Canadian talking about American business, <laughs> but um, I'm pretty sure there are SEC guidelines when it comes to scheduling uh, layoffs and the procedure for like filing uh, lost jobs with the SEC at financial report time. Like I know there's some sort of procedure and that, there might have been possibility that they could not tell employees that they were going to be letting people go until the financial report came out. I have seen two different conversations on that. I have seen the one that you're talking about where people have said 
no, they could not have told them within a certain window around the financial report coming out. But I have also seen the counter argument that that only applies to IPOs. So I'm not sure which one's true. I really okay, am. So when it comes to IPOs, like I know that uh, that's for initial public offerings. And I do know that it's an, a public company. So I'm guessing that's when it comes to like in the creation of a company that will be a stock. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I really don't, like, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if that's actually a rule or if it's not. I don't know anybody well-versed enough in U.S. business law to tell me the correct. Yeah, yeah okay. I, and I don't, I don't know enough either. But I do know that the decision to lay people off is not one that a company uh, makes rationally. Um, or rationally, I should say, not rationally. <laughs> um, they do make it rationally, whether you agree with that ra- the rationale or not. Um, but it's not something that usually people do rashly. Um, but I do also know that there's really no protections for anybody in the United States that suffers from any kind of layoff or anything like that. Um, and the main, the only, the only recourse you really have is, um, that by them laying you off, they have to provide some kind of, or they don't have to, but most companies provide some kind of compensation package to stop you from going and getting, uh, unemployment of any kind because uh, they'd rather just head that up front as opposed to having the government come after them to get you to, to keep you on there. Right. So that that's kind of the offsetting that usually happens is if they're going to lay people off, they know they have to do some type of severance packages. Otherwise people hit unemployment and they can be on employment for a period of time afterward until they're proven to like not be searching for work or whatever. So like that's kind of the only market forces that they have um, to stop these things from happening. And, but I don't think that there's anything that I know of that would say, like, hey, if a manager knows, like, they'll give you, like, there's always some kind of hints or something like that. Some managers are more direct than others, but there's usually something that you can tell is happening at a company for that to happen. Um, which isn't to say anything except, like, these things do happen in the United States more than they happen in other countries. There are no laws protecting against them. There's nothing even that from a union perspective that they can do. A lot of unions work with companies to decide who the people are that are going to be laid off, as it happens all the time in uh, the auto industry and other industries in America. Like, it's just not a thing that's currently protected in any kind of way. And it, and it sucks. And there's not really a fun way to talk about it. And there's not really a way to really rationalize it. And a lot of the backlash that I think that other people are feeling is just like they want more protections from stuff like this. So they don't have to find out about it in a Kotaku report. And they don't have to find about it through email that they may not have a job any longer at this company that they've been working at for whatever period of time. Um, all of that is just about corporate communications and things like that. But there's not really anything from a, from a reporting side or even from our side that we can really do about whether or not these things happen. Only thing that we can really speculate on is what this kind of means going forward. And I think that as you see and as you have put in here, that you're going to continue to see people like Game Workers Unite, which is seemingly getting bigger and bigger. They now have Game Workers Unite across the world. Um, GDC is going to be a fun time. Yeah, it's there's I mean, there was a whole panel last year, wasn't there? Like That ended up being <laughs> I don't remember. I don't remember the particular aspects of it, but I'm pretty sure it became controversial because um, it hit my feed and I was like, oh, something's happening over there. Um, but generally, there's always um, there's always a spark of unionization before there's like a huge change. 
Um, so it's definitely, I don't think that it's going to happen at large studios first. It usually doesn't happen that way when unionization and things like that occur. Um, but there's going to be a groundswell of people who do think that there are minimum standards that need to be in place, who want the same protections that the actors who negotiate with studios have. Uh, I think that they're going to, it's definitely going to become a thing more and more and more. And we will kind of see how it manifests itself in the final result, but there's going to be more protections that end up getting put in place in the absence of large companies having to answer to governments for that kind of thing. So that that just reminded me of the video game strike, uh, voice actor strike, and how like everyone's saying, "Oh, well, the developers, the engineers, they don't get any of these benefits and protections." So. Why should voice actors, people who work so little, have these protections? Like, no. Uh, that's the wrong question. A, yeah. a rising tide lifts all boats, you morons. <laughs> yeah. Why why are well, you why are you such a moron, you morons? It's like why do you want people to have less protections than 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 the actors who don't work very much? Maybe the people it's like and it's one of those things where it's like unionization doesn't exactly stop most of the practices that can occur. Like I said, unions have worked with other companies to get people fired or not fired, but laid off. And like unions provide the protections that you need to know that your job will be at least safer than it was before. But on the other side of the equation, they also provide the ability for you to have better negotiating power about what your hours and things are and what your percentages are and how much you get based on how much you work. And what you promote and what you get out of things. So, you know, so you're not in a situation where a studio like Rockstar has a head go out and say, we were working 100 hour weeks and then immediately tries to walk it back and starts canceling appearances on other shows because he's like, I don't really want to talk about this anymore because we are now in the middle of this entire firestorm because I said our people work 100 hour weeks. And really, it was just me and the other writers who were working 100 hour weeks. And then Except that's somehow that's okay. <laughs> as if that was as if that was cool. But then, like, the actual workers get the ability to finally say something in public, and they're like, yeah, I've worked, like, 60-hour weeks. And it's like, yeah, like, 60 hours is still a lot of fucking time. Uh, and even if you're not working 80-hour weeks, 100-hour weeks, like, as somebody who's – you have periods where it doesn't matter how great the planning is. It doesn't matter, like, how much you put into it. You're going to run into those things. Having a union protects you from, like – being able to have people like Reggie who come out in public and say, hey, if we think that we're not going to meet a deadline and we want to hit it, then we hire for the capacity to be able to do so, as opposed to the alternative that many other studios could answer, which was we just try to work more. Um, and Jason Schreier's book on that, where the guy, uh, Bruce Straley, was talking about that he rented a second apartment and worked from morning till night and then went home to the apartment, but make got the apartment. So he was close enough to be able to get into work early the next day to keep going. Like that kind of stuff are things like you're, you, you don't want to see happen at, at any level. And that, I mean, he's a director of a game, so it makes, it makes more sense. He's going to have more hours he has to put in to watch everything, but you don't want that to be the case. You don't want your people to be that overworked and things. So, Ultimately, this is just to say, as more of these things keep happening, I think you'll see more of the effects of what unionization can bring in. The real question is how many people are going to buy into it and how long is it going to take to really fester and manifest in these larger studios as it takes a groundswell to really build up to overtaking what those things do. There's going to be one major studio that happens at first. And then all the rest of them will eventually have to follow it. So we'll see how it goes. Union high! <laughs> I agree. Layoffs are bad and unions are good. 
I will mention like, and I, and I understand why it's easier for this to happen. Um, but video game journalism outlets have started unionizing and we actually had one this week future announced yep. that they were unionizing, and that includes PC gamer. And, uh, I think games radar as well. And a couple mm-hmm. tech sites. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also like Polygon has unionized and Waypoint under Vice and Kotaku and uh, all mm-hmm. under their respective, you know, all the G- Giz Media Media Group or whatever it's called. Yeah, um, but there there's like a bunch of them that have, and I imagine there's probably more coming. Um, but and and it's easier for them, right? Because most of them are part of you know much larger media companies, and when the larger media company starts unionizing, then you know they join them. Um, but that that's been really cool to see over the last year. All these um, you know game gaming outlets um, join that push for unionization. It's cool to see because you know a, a lot of outlets are writing about it. Um, it but it's cool to see them actually doing it and not just you know talking about doing it. Yeah, absolutely. maybe fan sided should unionize. What? Maybe fan sided should unionize. That'd be fun. Oh, do I not <laughs> want to talk about that? <laughs> Oh, man. Anyway. Let's not get into that. I think but, some people listen to this podcast, Matt. Um, <laughs> I take it back. I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> don't, don't take it back. Uh, nah. Anything else you have um, or anything else that you had as an idea of what this means to the industry record? I know that you posed a question. I kind of no, you, threw it and um, ran with it. You got it. You got it. <laughs> um. Anything else anyone has um, on the uh, layoffs or anything like that? All righty. Well, this was fun. We've had the fo- we have most of the group back here. Uh, really, just missing Michael and Matt. But uh, pleasure talking to you all as always, and uh, it's been a pleasure. Daniel George, tell the people where they can find you. You can find me on Twitter at is Daniel, perhaps live tweeting my first game of civilization i got civilization six and hope to uh take to the mean cultural victory streets of uh canada with the gathering storm dlc leading uh, as so well as for Loyer. P- so on pc then so on pc yeah it's so on brand that you got that game because there was a canadian expansion <laughs> like yeah. like literally that was what it took to get you to oh I... my god I took a, a Canadian history course in university. I passed it. I love it so much. I, that's your Canadian fact of the day. You can also find me yeah. writing on apptrigger.com. You can find my survivor writing at survivingtravel.com. You can find me be snarky about the Oscars probably tonight on Twitter as well. <laughs> um, you know, as you do when you watch the Oscars, because what are you going to do? Watch it earnestly? Right. Go Black Panther. <laughs> Yeah, and you can, and my other job, which I do on the weekends, I also have a union, and it's great. So you should unionize. Eric Grisman, where can the people find you? Uh, you can find my writings at App Trigger. Um, I do have a piece going up uh, tomorrow, tomorrow, I believe. Yeah, uh, on on uh, Bioware's other big space adventure franchise, Mass Effect. Uh, going up, and then later this week, uh, probably you know, sometime Thursday, uh, the review of a, g- a certain game starring two funky aliens from the '90s. Uh, if you're me, <laughs> Space Jam, <Yeah>. Space Jam. 
<laughs> yes, Space Jam. No. Uh, most people, I mean, if you're aware of the game at all, you'll know what it is, but it'll pop up on Thursday. And uh, hopefully I'll be doing some retro streaming in the near future, but probably not until at least next weekend at minimum. Right. Oh, and on, on Twitter at uh, RealEDC30. And uh, Matt Fritikowski, where can the people find you, sir? Oh, I'm on Twitter and on Twitch at Monte World Peace. Um, I don't really write much anymore, but I'd like to change that. So if you if I do start doing that, that's why I'll be talking about it. I can't scratch my chair now. <laughs> <laughs> They'll do that. They will. All right, and uh, Rebecca Valentine, where can the people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Duck Valentine, usually retweeting pictures of Kirby. Um, and you can also find <laughs> you can find my work at GamesIndustry.bit. All right, and you can find me at GOTMAB21. You can find the show at Screen Liquor Podcast on Twitter, Screen Liquor Podcast on or on uh, on all of your favorite podcasts uh, in the land. Uh, you can work with uh, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, any, pretty much anywhere uh, you can find us. Um, and with that being said, I leave you all with this. It's more important to master the cards you're holding than to complain about the ones your opponents were dealt. It's Grimsley, Pokemon Black White. Y'all have a wonderful rest of your day.